Welcome to the Change Management Reviews Podcast, where we bring the best of change management to you. On this episode, Editor-in-Chief Teresa Moulton talks with Helen Palmer, founder and principal change agent of Questo. I'm sure you'll enjoy today's discussion about missing conversations. Welcome to the Change Management Review Podcast. Today, I'd like to introduce Helen Palmer to speak with us about missing conversations. To tell you a bit about Helen, she is the founder and principal change agent of Questo, a business platform transforming how organizations and individuals make change in their workscape. Her professional practice has been threaded with with design for over two decades since she answered a calling for the human factor. She has a reputation for cleverly balancing the realities of business with the complexities of people. Helen is adept with adventures in a contemporary workscape. She's navigated many changes crossing organizational and national cultures. Her curious and resourceful spirit has carried her from roots in rural New Zealand to working in Australia via Bangkok and Japan. For Helen, learning and change are two sides of the same coin. She enables transformational change by fusing the disciplines of learning and development and change management with a strong human-centered design sensibility. She has been on a personal journey to have the missing conversations with herself and her loved ones and with her stakeholders in her professional practice. She believes goodness comes from exposing and examining the things we tend to leave unsaid. And so without further ado, I'd like to welcome Helen. Thank you. Pleased to be here. And we're very happy to have you. And, um, you know, one of the things that... uh, I love to ask people is, you know, how did you, how did you get into the field of change management and what's your story? Uh, none of us really come from the same story in a lot of cases. So why don't we start there? Sure, sure. Well, the unofficial entry into the field of change management happened 30 years ago in my first job where I saw how others were being affected by the introduction of new technology into an organization. And you might think here in the 21st century, you know, no biggie. But I'm talking about something that happened in the 1980s where it was a big change from no computer to actually having a computer. And it was at a time when computers were the thing that were used by the secretaries in the secretarial pool. And I just saw how much people's sense of identity and how valued they felt in their job in terms of the introduction of this technology, which wasn't given the appropriate consideration and change management. So yeah, that was the sort of the point 30 years ago. Officially, I joined a change management team 15 years ago, which was my first real opportunity to work in a medium to large organisation. Not very common to be able to do that in the Australian New Zealand market. And um, I was hired because it was recognised that I had high emotional intelligence and leadership and teaching and business analysis skills. And I was kind of more of a BA But the team lacked that kind of critical structured thinking. And so um, that was something that I added to their repertoire. But their stuff rubbed off on me. And so I added to my repertoire things that came from a change management point of view, which put me on a path of some very strong self-directed learning. And so I think from that 30 years ago when I unofficially entered, I got that foundational mindset that's been influencing the actions and choices along the way since. What an interesting uh, story. I love the way that uh, they rubbed off on you and you rubbed off on them. And yes. <laughs> and then you ended up, uh, you know, with the resultant s- skill set of, of both and so did they. 
Yes, yes. And I think that it's one of those things when you're in a great team that those things can rub off. But it also, I think it's on the job learning very much gives you a sense of what will work or won't work. So while there were theories and things I was reading about, I got that real sense of like, yeah, but that's not going to work in this situation. What actually can we really do here that's meaningful? Mm, That's great. That's great. And so uh, when you and I talked about this podcast, we were discussing topics. And one of the topics that uh, you raised and that we decided on is the topic about missing conversations. So um, tell us about missing conversations. What are they? What do they mean to you? Um, how are they important to change practitioners? Well, it started the journey a few years ago when I had um, a medical situation in my own life and I had a mother-in-law who had her own medical situation and in fact actually eventually died. But it was one of those things where you start to realize, actually, what conversations do we need to be having? What are we about? Because in the everyday life, we tend to operate, I think, on quite a superficial level. And so the missing conversations are about those conversations that we might need to have to better know ourselves or know the situation we're operating in. And some of those missing conversations might be around questions like, well, why do I do what I do? Or how how do I want to be remembered? Am I living a life that's meaningful to me? Am I lonely? You know, what happens if I lose X? What do I actually need or what do I want? Why do I not like something? Um, One that I actually have that's uh, based on a little fridge magnet that I have, it says, that um, stress is when my mouth says no problem and my stomach says no way. And I think sometimes disconnected <laughs> from the fact that, you know, we're talking about things, like your mouth is saying no problem, well, that'll be fine. But the rest of your body's kind of like, no, that's not right. And so is there a sense where you're not even paying attention to your body or the conditions that are telling you that maybe this isn't a good thing, maybe this isn't right. And so, yeah, the missing conversations about, well, hang on, what's going on here? Do I need to unpack something? Right. And how do you see um, those conversations happening in the change management uh, practitioner world? Well, I think particularly like with stakeholders, it can be easy to just get caught up in the narrative of the organization or the the senior stakeholders who might say things like, people don't change. Um, There's lots of resistance here. And I think, is that actually true? What might be going on here? Is there a need to explore um, what actually are people feeling? Is resistance actually something about people having a sense of I'm going to lose something or what you're introducing here actually isn't meaningful to me. In fact, it's going to threaten my sense of identity mm. or it's not something I want. And so, But did you actually know what you wanted? So even if the organization could be most benevolent and say to you, hey, this change that we'd like you to participate in, we really believe it can add something meaningful and personally valuable to you. And I think many people are like, but if I ask that question, like, actually, I hadn't really thought about what was valuable to me. Right, right. Good. And so why why do you think these conversations are missing? I think some of it is that people aren't ready to have the conversation, and that might be coming from the fact of fear or those negative emotions like fear or judgment or shame or guilt. I think some of it might be about the distaste of, well, we might be talking about some unpleasant things, or this is going to open up some things that um, maybe I don't really want to have a conversation about. And I think sometimes even conversations about saying what I want 
that maybe raises the possibility that now I've set an expectation if you don't give it to me. Well, previously when I was in denial, that was okay. But now that I've said I'd like it and you don't give it to me, then I'll have to deal with that. Maybe you've, you know, disillusioned me. Maybe it was better to stay in a situation where I had no hope or I didn't even realize I might have had some hope. And so I think those, that's um, one of the reasons. I think sometimes it's about not having the right opportunity or context for it. You know, for example, if it was on a personal level, the time to think about what the plans you might like to have around your funeral are probably not best made while you're grieving somebody else's funeral. So it's about, well, when is the time to have these? And often when things feel calm and everything's right with the world, you think, oh, well, let's not, you know, uh, nothing's broken. Why try to fix it? But I think maybe sometimes it's when things are calm is a better time to have some of these conversations. And the fact is... It means thinking. You've got to invest time and energy and effort into it. And sometimes people just don't have any of that left in a modern life. It's true. And, you know, the more you're you're speaking and describing um, the missing conversations, the more, you know, it's bringing me to um, the concept of self-care and, you know, how important that is. And, uh, you know, at the ACMP Global Conference last year, um, we sat in my in my booth and people were kind of coming in and chatting with us and circulating around. And when I asked people, you know, what's, what are, you know, some of the things that are important for you, you know, to solve today, um, mm. they said self-care and right. it's not have, it's what you said, you know, not having the space in their mind to really think through some of these things that haven't been said. And I would say that that almost there's two levels of self-care, and it's interesting you raise that because I know you want me to give advice for newcomers at the end of this conversation, and that was on my number one list. We're clearly on on an alignment here. I think there's strategic self-care where it's about thinking, I don't have the issue right now. What would I do or what bigger conversations do I need to have to be prepared when I'm in a situation where I might need to invoke a self-care type plan versus actually in this moment right now, I need to do something to take care of myself in this moment right now. What do I do? And the reason why I raise that is I live in a very high fire risk area of um, Australia. And one of the things we need to do is we need to make fire plans and what that fire plan is you know on one level it's it's what can we do on our property to make sure that it's unlikely that we would have um, a devastating fire here but on the other hand it's okay the fire front is kilometers from your house what do you need to do right now and it's at that moment and we actually had a situation three years ago where we had to evacuate when the adrenaline is pumping this is not the time to sit and think what do we need to do we had a plan we followed the plan right right Yes, and it's interesting because as you're as you're speaking about the fire, you know, I'm also resonating with what it feels like uh to be a consultant, frankly, a management consultant on a on a project that, you know, isn't going well or that is highly stressful and sometimes we continue to, you know, sacrifice our own self-care for the project and then over a couple year period of time, there's nothing really left and we sit back and say well, why did I do that? Yes. Well, one of the things that I've learned when I've taken on jobs is to think, when I started this job, I must have taken it, whether it's as an employer or a consultant, I had a certain level of excitement and hope and anticipation. Did I write that down? Because when the shit hits the fan, and excuse my bad language, and it can and it will, 
do I actually know what my motivations for being here? And is it actually that why I'm feeling so out of sorts is because those original hopes and aspirations are not being met, in which case I then have a choice to say, actually, maybe my hopes and aspirations were inappropriate and I should change them, or actually, I need to get back and align to those hopes and aspirations. But if you've not had the conversation about, hang on, why am I excited about this and taking the time to write that down, then when stuff does go out of alignment, you don't really know what's out of alignment because you haven't identified what you were trying to align to. Right. And what do you think about how these conversations are had? Um, in some of what you discuss, you talk about questioning yourself and and trying to make sure that you take the time to really be honest with you know who you are and what your needs are. What do you think some other uh, options would be for maybe engaging with other practitioners or, um, you know, other people that we can rely on to make sure the conversations are had. Indeed. And I think there's something about, um, and it might seem a bit structured, but scheduling some time where maybe there's a regular catch up with people where it's not, hey, we've got this agenda, let's meet for this. It's Let's just schedule that time. And in that time, we will talk. And maybe we can ask each other, what's the conversation that matters today? So rather than just starting off with, hi, how are you going? What's going on at work? Which can lead to a very typical narrative where we start to tell maybe the best story about what's going on, where in fact maybe it doesn't get you down to the authentic and real story. And you might just say, great to be with you today. What conversation would really be useful for us to have today? Mm. Or what conversation really matters to me right now? And I would recommend even just on a personal level, how about making a sticky note that actually says what conversation really matters and, you know, put it on the fridge or in the toilet or wherever. And so each day think about what conversation really matters today. There's plenty I could do, but if there's one conversation I was to have with another person or to have with myself, what conversation really matters today? Right, right, bringing it right into the present. Yeah, and in terms of the... Um, scheduling with other people there's a guy named Johnny Moore in the UK and I can send you a link to his stuff that you could provide for people listening to this podcast he's been shaping up the idea of unhurried conversations mm. kind of, and it's about saying there is no agenda it is what it is we are here let it just evolve and see where it goes because I think we've got very much into a world like what was the point of this meeting and have we achieved the objective and I think sometimes that sets us up to hide from the conversations that might just need time and opportunity to evolve and sometimes we don't know what conversation we're not having and just like when we're talking now something I said triggered something in you. Now, maybe before we had this conversation, it wasn't even on your mind, but it was in this conversation together, it triggered something for you. Yes, yes, right, exactly. And, you know, as we're talking about this, I keep thinking about um, strategies a person can use for personal context would be like this post-it note or the buddy or, you know, the change, the, uh, change management colleague, assuming you're working right next to each other, but professionally, what can we do as change professionals or change practitioners, you know, to really bring ourselves, um, bring ourselves to the place where we can actually observe missing conversations and, and engage in them in a meaningful way. So I've got a couple of thoughts there. One is 
we often say, let's ask the question why. Why, why, why and interrogate. I think sometimes it's too much to ask the question why. And I think start with something more concrete. So if you find yourself in a stakeholder situation where you're thinking, what's going on here? Why is this person not getting this? Why is this person not participating? Look for something more concrete and think about maybe the questions like, when is this person not getting it? Or where is this person not getting it? Or who is this person? So getting more concrete with questions like when or where or who, and particularly that may just be enough to be a circuit breaker because I think the why question, while it feels like maybe that's where we should go, that can be too big and too complex. And I think it can create a lot of... Um, noise that just goes round and round whereas yeah, if you can get something a bit more concrete and think you know what's the when or the where or the who question to help unpack some situation that you're, you're tackling or struggling with right the second strategy I would suggest and, and this comes from a great post by Elaine de Botton from the School of Life um, he's writing a um, an online blog called the Book of Life and one of his things he talks about the terror of no and that actually realize that when somebody says no to you, that it's not necessarily personal about what's going on. And you might think of this in terms of, look, those people aren't wanting to get on board with this program of change that we've got. Why is that? That's resistance. And, if, and then sometimes we can get really personal about why are they saying no to me? And he, he makes this really lovely point that when somebody says no to you, it's about it doesn't fit in with their plans. And so actually kind of rethinking that with the situation I have, if I'm hearing a no, is there another way that I can understand what is this person's plans and maybe I can find a way to connect to their plans rather than trying to impose my plans on them. So thinking differently about when you hear that no. The other flip side of that is that when you're asking for something, you might think, oh, I'm not going to ask because people will say no and I don't want to get a no answer. And it's like, well, if you take the emotion out of it and realize if somebody's going to say no to you, the majority of the reason is you just don't fit in with their plans. Right. That, you know, that's very true. And I think, I think subconsciously, you know, as change professionals, we're often in situations where we're thinking around these types of questions and, um, you know, and really trying to help our clients, uh, you know, become more aware of some of the things that are holding them back. And I, I really like the way you're talking about, um, you know, making sure that we are asking the right question in order to look at things from a different perspective because we get so rote. Um, and yes. it really does just take a simple shift to make a big difference. One of the things that I think, just from a professional point of view, not necessarily about your professional work with your clients or your employer, is do you know what you would value right now to help you achieve whatever you wanted to achieve? So if I came along and said to you, look, it's totally within my power to grant your wish. Tell me what your wish is. And it surprises me when I've tested this out with people, how many people couldn't tell me what they wanted? I mean, if I said, look, I will... I will I will make it happen. I will find the person that I could get you the answer for this. But do you know what you want such that if somebody came along and said, I have it within my power to give it to you, and that they're just not ready for that. And it makes me wonder, if you haven't had that conversation with yourself, then what 
is the choices that you are making and the thoughts that you are having that are not actually helping you get to that because you haven't even realized that that's actually what you were wanting. So whether or not somebody external had the power to give it to you, you actually, I think, locked up your personal power to make that happen. Wow. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Well, Helen, we're almost out of time. And um, one of the things that uh, I'd like to ask you about is, you know, what advice do you have for any newcomers to the change management profession? Well, as we alluded to before, I mean, one of the key pieces of advice I would say is develop some habits and practices for some excellent self-care. Because if you can't take care of yourself, you really should not be advising or acting for the care of others. And it's like they say on um, aeroplanes, you know, put the mask on yourself before attending to others. And I think if you can't role model even good self-care, and that some of that might be about, no, I'm not going to work late, or no, I'm not going to um, put myself in a situation where I've got so many things on my mind that I can't act in a carefully thoughtful thoughtful considered way right now so what is it that and self-care differs too for different people in different circumstances so find what is the habit or practice of self-care for yourself because it maybe there are certain things that trigger you so discover what those things are and put in place some strategies to make sure that you care for yourself um, when and the work that you're doing so that was my first piece of advice my second one is be a self-starter or a situational leader regardless of the severity of your role and look for opportunities where you can be a positive agent for change. Don't sit back and think, oh, I'm just an analyst or a communications person. It's somebody else's job to think about what change should be made and make that change happen. You might see a change, for example, actually in our teams, if I just brought some flowers or cookies to a team meeting, that might just change the vibe. Well, I'm just going to make that happen. No, I don't need to get anybody's permission. So be on the lookout for situations where you could be that self-starter or situational leader and just do it. That's, you know, that's really good advice because I think when people come into this field, you know, they really do look at um, the formalization of the role, you know, getting certified, uh, getting onto a project, working, um, working with the team and, you know, it's easy to get focused on that kind of um, work and not have time for self-care and not have time to ask yourself the questions uh, that you need to ask yourself in order to, you know, be your best as a change management practitioner. So mm. it's interesting to me that those are your points for newcomers. And um, it just shows, you know, to me how intense this field can really be. Indeed, indeed. And I mean, one of the things that I did on one project, um, this is probably more from a more senior point of view, is I got myself a professional supervisor type person who wasn't acting as a mentor, but that was part of my self-care strategy. I knew I was going to be in a project where there was high intensity going on, and I created for myself once a fortnight, a one-hour context where I could go and have an unhurried conversation with this person about conversations that really mattered. And, and I, I led what those conversations were about. But it gave me an out, and it meant that whatever emotions and things I needed to process were not being dumped on my team. Mm -hmm. And then I could be what I could do. That's great. You designed it right in there, right into the I whole uh, form, formalization of your work. 
Indeed. And so so self-care is not just something you do at the beginning. I think it's self-care is something we need to all be doing regardless of our experience or maturity in the field. That's great advice. That's great advice. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast. You've given us a lot to think about. And uh, yeah, and it's been lovely having you. And uh, your perspectives are always fresh and new and, uh, you know, we're very happy to have a relationship with you at Change Management Review. So thank you again. Great. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed listening to today's podcast with Teresa Moulton of Change Management Review and Helen Palmer, founder and principal change agent of Questo, as they discussed Missing conversation. Be sure to check out our website at changemanagementreview.com. We also invite you to follow us on Facebook and Twitter and join us on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening.